You can open to the book of Proverbs. We're actually going to be looking at various passages of the Bible this evening, but a number of them are going to be taken from the Proverbs. And tonight, then, the final sermon on personal problems. Poverty. Aramuda. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our great God and Father, indeed, what shall we boast in and whom shall we boast in? Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, nor the mighty man in his might, nor the rich man in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love justice and righteousness for in these things i delight declares the lord O lord we desire indeed to sing your praise and to boast of you to brag of you the great god over all creation the god and father of our lord jesus christ the god of abraham isaac and jacob the god and father of all those who repent of their sins and trust in christ Thank you for adopting us into your family, that we are no longer strangers and outcasts, but that we've been brought into the family of God. And we pray that you would speak to your children this evening from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I say the word poverty, poverty is, I don't actually know what the English word is, Afrikaans is this relative, uh, what do you say in English? Relative? Yeah. All right, so it's relative. Uh, in a sense, it's difficult to define poverty because what is poverty? You might think you're poor, but you have a car. And there's another guy, he thinks he's poor because he lives in a shack, but he's got a smartphone. So how do we define poverty? I remember a pastor telling us the story in a counseling class. He said, that there was a guy from some Central African or West African country who's working in South Africa. And this guy attends the church that he pastors. And one lady was complaining about, no, she's now tired of working at this place. She only uh, earns 5,000 a month. And this African guy, his eyes grew wide. And he thought, 5,000, that's my dream. To earn 5,000 a month, at that stage the guy was getting 50 rand a day as a security guard, a 12-hour shift, 20 rand of the, of the 50 was taxi fee. That same guy, they showed in the movie, I don't know who of you have seen the movie, the Christian movie, Facing the Giants. Alright, anyway, in this movie, <clears throat> at one stage the guy's, his car breaks and then the stove breaks and there's a dead rat or a dead mouse in the house and it stinks. And the guy gets a cut in salary or he doesn't get promotion. And so the whole point that they're trying to convey in the movie is, look how this poor guy is struggling. And the security guard, he's watching this movie. He says, this guy's got it good. He's got a car. He's got a house. <laughs> so he missed the point that they're trying to convey in the movie because poverty is relative. How do you measure it? And yet, if I have to give a biblical definition of poverty, we might say 
it's if you don't have the basic necessities of life. Uh, Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8, if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. So have you got shelter? Have you got a place to sleep? Have you got clothes on your body? Have you got food to eat? Um, then you may be richer than many people. You know, 700 million people in the world, and to give you the exact figure, they say 689 million people are classified as poor because they earn less than 30 rand a day. They don't have access to clean water or to medical help if that is needed. And they struggle to survive, you know, barely scraping together enough to eat. <coughs> None of us sitting here tonight, and I would guess no one watching the sermon online is that poor. If you're watching online, you've got Wi-Fi, you've got inter internet, uh, and probably you're not that poor. Uh, the poorest people among us have smartphones, a house to stay, or maybe even a shack, but something over your head, food to eat, and some we would classify as poor among us, even you have a car and perhaps even a television. And yet... There are a number of our people who really struggle to make ends meet. What is the reason for that? Why are people poor? And what's the solution to the problem? And that's what we're going to look out, uh, look out for in these passages. So first of all, we're going to answer or, or show at least the causes of poverty. The oorzake van armoede. One cause of poverty is God's sovereign will. God's sovereign. Sovereign just means God's rule overall as king. It's God's sovereign will. I remember not long ago on social, a social media platform, a woman made a comment, and I know the woman. We grew up in the same town. We went to the same school. And this woman made a comment on Facebook about how God wants us to be always, always be healthy and wealthy. Uh, that's just prosperity gospel, word of faith movement. So that is God's will. It's not God's will for us to ever be poor or to struggle. Well, 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 7 says, The Lord makes poor, the Lord makes rich. And the next verse, it speaks of those who are down in the dust and God lifts them up and sets them with the princes of His people. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. If you've got your Bible, you can flip there. Proverbs 10, <coughs> excuse me, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Move on to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, verse 2. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. And you might say, yes, but the one is rich because he works hard and the other is poor because he's lazy. Well, in many cases that's true, but it's not always the case. There's some people who work hard who remain poor. There's some people who are lazy or rich. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9, you don't have to type page there if you want to check me up, you can. In verse 11 it says that all these riches, it does not always come to that person who does the best or is the most intelligent. 
The Israelites in Egypt, do you remember when they went out of Egypt, they asked the Egyptians, give us your gold and silver. And the Egyptians did. Because God gave the Israelites favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. And by so doing, God made the Egyptians poor and he made the Israelites rich. So that's God's sovereign choice. Now being poor does not make you less spiritual just because you don't have money. In fact, who's the most famous character in the Bible who was poor? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus borrowed a coin when they wanted to trick him about paying taxes. He said, bring me a coin. Jesus didn't have a purse on him. Jesus didn't have money to pay tax. He said to Peter, go to the sea, cast out a hook. The first fish you catch, there'll be a coin in its mouth. Pay your tax and mine. Jesus borrowed a donkey. He didn't have his own. Jesus borrowed an upper room. He didn't have his own. We where he had the Lord's Supper with his disciples. Jesus didn't even have his own tomb when he died. It was borrowed from a rich man. Jesus had nothing when he died. Not even clothes on his body. Even that got divided between the soldiers. Jesus said, The birds of the air have nests, foxes have burrows or holes in the ground, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus was a poor man indeed. It says to us in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, He, though he was rich, became poor, for our sakes became poor, so that we through his poverty or by his poverty might become rich. Jesus took the form of a servant. Who was another very rich man in the Bible, extremely wealthy, the most wealthy in his time, in the area he was living, and he became poor overnight. What was his name? Job. And was it because God punished him for something wrong? If you say that, then you're on Job's friend's side. That's bad theology and bad counseling. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 29, not many among God's people are famous and well-known, have got royal blood and are well, the, the, the world elite and the super rich. Not many among us are like that. Most of us are just ordinary folk. Another man who was wealthy at times, sometimes poor, sometimes rich, was the Apostle Paul. He says in Philippians 4 verse 12, I know what it means to have more than enough and I know what it means. <laughs> I'm scraping together cents to buy bread at the cafe because he doesn't have enough. So Paul knew both, both of those, he says. There were times with the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 27, he had no food, he had nothing to drink, he slept outside and he didn't, didn't have enough clothes to warm himself. You can go and read that verse. And then here's, here's the clincher. This verse really knocks the prosperity gospel down. Hebrews 11. We know the big chapter in Hebrews 11 where it speaks all the heroes of faith and how they conquered lions or fire and stop the mouth of lions and all these kinds of things. And then it gets to verse 37 and it says they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute. That means dirt poor, afflicted, mistreated. Why? Because of faith. So don't tell me, oh, you're poor because you don't have enough faith. These people were poor because they had faith. Because they would not. 
let up or give up on the name of Jesus Christ. They would rather let people take away all their things for following Jesus. You lose your job for following Jesus and I'll do it. I'll keep on believing in Christ. So God is sovereign and it's in God's wisdom that he makes some rich and some poor. Thomas Watson, the Puritan, says the poor need the rich man's money and the rich need the poor man's labor. And so the Lord causes them to work together and there's mutual serving of one another. Now that does not mean that, oh, okay, God is sovereign, God has decided who's rich and poor, so, you know, I'm just going to sit back and just in my misery because I don't have money and it is what it is. Or the rich man, yeah, God has given this to me, let me just sit back in luxury and enjoy. It is what it is. No, no. <coughs> God commands you, six days you shall work. Don't sit back. God commands you, not only work, but share. Those are biblical commands. Ephesians 4, 28, Exodus 20, verse 9. What your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, says Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. Now, also in the same line of God's sovereignty, sometimes people are poor through God's sovereign choice by natural disasters. God sends floods. God sends drought. We read that in Deuteronomy 28. You can read all of that. Sometimes God sends pestilence. Sometimes there's a national lockdown, worldwide lockdown, and people lose their jobs. Sometimes uh, you've got cases where maybe there's a, a plague. Locusts, the, the crops are destroyed. And so in that sense, God is sovereign. You've got the book of Ruth, these two widows. The husband dies, the son dies. Now you've got this mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, they're destitute, they're poor. God is in control of that too. Uh, this same pastor I referenced earlier, he told us a story where they're reaching out to a community in a part of Pretoria where there's a squatter camp and you've got 10-year-old kids looking after their 2-year-old siblings because both parents have died. That's sad, that's tragic. But God is sovereign over life and death. What is the solution in cases like that? The solution, if they're natural disasters or if pestilence strikes, the solution is if my people will humble themselves and pray. Because the previous verse is if God shuts the sky and there's no rain, and we humble ourselves before God and we call out to God for mercy, then God will answer and heal their land. I didn't quote the, the whole verse, but you can check it up in Second Chronicles 7. You know the verse, verse 13 and 14. And then another solution to the problem, in cases like, let's say those, those little children, the solution to the problem, Galatians 6 verse 10, as often as we have the opportunity, let us do good to one another, especially to those who belong to the household of faith. So do you have opportunity? Is there urgent need? Then help, then share. That's a solution. Another solution in cases like that is, do you remember Joseph and his brothers and the famine came? And so there's no food to eat, but Joseph is... In Egypt, he's second in command, and they've stored up lots and lots and lots and lots of grain. <clears throat> and God provides in that way. And even they get the best part of the land, Goshen, the Israelites. So can God provide for his children when there's an economic crisis, when there's recess, when the stock market crashes? Can God still provide for his children? Of course he can. God's not bound to that. Uh, Psalm 33 verse 19, Psalm 37 verse 19, both those Psalms. 
speaks of God supplying the needs of his people during famine. Hungersnoot. So God can provide even in those hard times. Another uh, cause of, of poverty is false religion. Now, before Christianity, before the advent of Christianity, there was no middle class in the Roman Empire. Either in the Greek world or the Roman world, you didn't have a middle class. You had the, the super rich. And why were they super rich? Because you were born that way. Your dad is some governor or some king or uh, some ruler over a province or maybe the emperor. So you got the rich and you got the poor. Christianity came and Christianity taught it's not beneath you to work with your hands because they said only slaves work with their hands. And Paul said, I work with my hands. And it's not beneath you, it's ni beneath only. Work, work an honest living and work hard. <coughs> so that was the command of the Apostle Paul, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11 and 12, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, from verse 6 to 15. Paul said, you must work. And because Christians followed the command, what happened? Well, in, in a very short time, you got ordinary people who started becoming rich. And you had a middle class. So the, the middle class came into being in that way. Do you find that in religions, in countries where false religions rule? Tell me, what does a country look like where Islam rules? Even the buildings are broken because of war. What does a country look like, India, where Hinduism rules? Yes, you've got some rich business people, but en masse you've got poverty. People sitting next to the Ganges River, thinking it's sacred water and sacred cows and sacred rats and whatever else. What do countries look like where Roman Catholicism rules? I'll talk about the Vatican City now. But what does that look like? South American countries, Central American countries. You look at countries where there's a strong rule of Roman Catholicism, poverty. What about African traditional religion? Look at African countries, poverty. Look at communist countries where atheism rules, humanism rules. What have you got there? Humanistic thinking. Poverty. In mass, in large, you've got people who are poor. What's the problem? Is it because there are no minerals? Is it because there's no wealth in that country? No, that's not the problem. It's because you've got some fat cats at the top grabbing it all for themselves, taking it all for themselves, and the rest remain poor. Uh, and that's what you've got, for instance, in Roman Catholic tradition and Roman Catholic religion, is you've got the Pope and the Cardinals and the guys at the top. They, all of them are rich. But then you've got the rest in, let's say, Mexico, for instance. It's poverty. Or in Paraguay or wherever you may find a stronghold of Roman Catholicism. Poverty. The same. You've got high uh, uppercase Hindus because they've got a class system. So you've got the uppercase Hindus and you've got a few of them that are rich. But for the most part, again, poverty. Or in Islamic countries, you've got the Sheik and he's rich and he'll supply an handout. But... People are dependent on him, and most of them are poor. In North Korea, you've got Kim Jong-un, who's regarded as a god. And you know, and, uh, they say they're atheists. Not really. They worship the man up top there. They worship him. 
And so again, you've got a rich family, but by and large, poverty. South Africa, Cecil John Rhodes, diamonds and gold. A man, Cecil John Rhodes, and guys like him, wanting it all for themselves. So it's not that there's a shortage of minerals or of wealth. Where you do come to, to pagan and unbelieving countries, non-Christian, non-evangelical Christian countries, you might find some of those countries where there is a middle class among unbelievers. How do you explain that? Japan, it's a rich country. How do you explain Dubai? That's Muslim. How do we explain that? I think there's only one way to explain that, and that is they've got Christian influence. They've got Christian work ethic. That happened in Japan, where Christian work ethic was introduced. And they've got wealth. That happened in Dubai, where Dubai, I'm not saying the people working there are Christians, but you've got all these expats that come from Christian countries who were influenced by Christianity, Christian work ethic, and they're working in Dubai. It's not because of Islamic religion that Dubai became rich. The sheikh is rich, the rest are poor. Now you've got the middle class, people who become rich as well because of Christian work ethic. That's what Jesus told us, be salt and light. And so now the light has infiltrated and, and salt. Maybe even 500 years ago, I love giving the example of Switzerland. And that was the influence of John Calvin and the Reformation 500 years ago, more than 500 years now, where there was such a strong influence of the gospel that now, hundreds of years later, Switzerland is nowhere near Christian. And yet the Christian light shines so far, 500 years down history, and it still has an influence that you've got Switzerland as a rich country because they've been influenced by Christian thinking and Christian work ethic. Another reason for poverty is greed and oppression. So in 1620, the pilgrims came to Plymouth. There was Jamestown a little while before that. And then the Plymouth colony, and so these, these Christians came there and they said, we're going to be socialist. So in other words, I'll uh, go on to communism now, but socialism, to say everyone shares everything and the people decide. It's not the government that decides. That's communism. So the people share everything, and so what happened? People started becoming lazy and sitting back. So in 1623... William Bramwell, he said, the governor, he said, this is not working. These people are just lying around, able-bodied young men, strong young men just lying around doing nothing. And so what he said is, each of you will get a piece of land, but you work it. If you don't work it, you don't eat. And guess what happened? Everyone started working. Hey, I've got a piece of land, I better work it. And so they started working and the economy of the colony picked up. Now, communism, of course, is worse because the government, they promise we're going to share everything equally. Have you ever seen a country anywhere in the world in history where communism has worked? Never. Why? Because the fat cats at the top take it all. They promise we'll give it. They're like Judas. He acts as if he's caring about the poor, but he wants the money in his own pocket. And so that's what happens acting as if we'll give the money to the people, just vote us in. And then heavy taxation, heavy taxation with fuel, with food, with electricity, and they take it for themselves. Page 2, Proverbs 13, verse 23. Proverbs 13, verse 23. <coughs> 
The fallow ground of the poor would yield much food, but it is swept away through injustice. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 14. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. There are people like that. They tell you, we care about you, vote for us. They want everything that is yours. They want it to belong to them. I just heard a story last weekend at the, the camp. One of the guys who shared a room with us, Yusha, he the architect, he was also involved in missions. And he told me, that in mission trips to Zimbabwe, they would take big bags of maize. And so they take to this one uh, small village, they take 10 bags, big bags of maize. The chief takes three for himself. The other seven bags, the people of the village have to divide it among themselves. Proverbs 28, you've got an example of that. Just page, Proverbs 28 verse 3. A poor man who oppresses the poor is a beating rain that leaves no food. Or you've got a rich man who does that, like Robert Mugabe. Robert Mugabe with lots of money. I mean, he had millions of dollars. He was a wealthy man. And yet Zimbabwe is poor. Look at chapter 28 verse 15. There you'll see Robert Mugabe. Like a roaring lion or a charging bear is a wicked ruler over a poor people. And of course, in South Africa, apartheid, it left many people poor. Because only if you got the right skin color, according to the apartheid government, could you get certain high-paying jobs. The rest just couldn't. I don't care how well qualified you are or how good you can do the job, you don't cut it. And now, in many cases, that's turned around. And actually, what we should have is a government, according to Psalm 82 and Proverbs 31, verse 8 and 9, that really stands up for the rights of the poor. And cares about them and doesn't oppress them. And yet, do not give apartheid the, don't blame apartheid or don't blame BEE or don't blame anything. If you're lying on the pavement at 11 o'clock in the morning and you say it's because of apartheid that I don't have a job. Or you're sitting at home playing PlayStation and you say it's because of BEE that I don't have a job. No, it's because you're lazy. It's not because of apartheid. It's not because of BEE. Get a job. You see, greed and oppression and what follows then, poverty, that not only happens on government level, that happens on, in the private sector. That even happens in churches where rich, fat preachers with their big Mercedes S-Class comes and they lie to the people. If you follow Jesus, you can be like me. You can have a Mercedes and Jesus will give you the Mercedes. You must just have enough faith. Sow your seed, give money, and they say, okay, big KFC buckets. Pass them around and you throw, put your money and you think, I'm getting my fat check. God's going to send me a miracle and you get nothing because you're following the wrong Jesus. And they steal money. That's what the Pharisees did, right? Didn't the Pharisees do that? Where they came into widows' houses and told them, give your money to the Lord. Give your, money's your husband's pension to the Lord. In the end of Luke chapter 20, verse 47. And then you see the poor widow putting her two coins. Putting her two coins into the... That's all she has left to live on. 
in the private sector, how, how often do you find crooked businessmen? I hope no one here is a crooked businessman. Lying to clients about the price of things, overcharging, all the kind of nonsense you find in business. And that makes people poor, it leaves them poor. Or holding back your, the wages. So you're supposed to pay the guys and you say there's no money but you're going on your holiday to Mauritius. But there's no money to pay the people. Or you're driving your BMW X5 or whatever. But there's no money to pay the workers. And that causes poverty. Tell me which is better. Is it better to be poor and be an honest worker and have a good reputation or to be rich and you're crooked, you're dishonest? Well, the, the answer is obvious, right? Look at Proverbs 19. Or uh, Proverbs 28 first. Proverbs 28 verse 6. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. Proverbs 22 verse 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favor is better than silver or gold. Proverbs 19. <coughs> Excuse me. Proverbs 19 verse 1. Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Proverbs 19 verse 22. What is desired in a man is steadfast love and a poor, poor man is better than a liar. Rather be poor then be that rich businessman who is cheating people. You're telling lies to clients. You're lying to clients. Because what the Lord is going to do is, if you do that, God will take away your wealth and He will give it to the poor. And you find that in Proverbs 22 again. Proverbs 22. <coughs> Verse 16. Whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. Proverbs 28. Verse 8. Whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. Another cause of poverty is pride. Pride and laziness. I know two examples like this. <clears throat> One man I knew from the moment I had a memory. And this man, shortly after I met the man who used to visit back and forth with him. We lived in the same town when I was really small, before I lived in Lutrichard. And this man eventually ended, landed up on the street. And why did he land up on the street? The reason was because he was a very highly qualified man. And whenever he would find a job, and it wasn't according to his liking, he would say, it's Benita May. I am so highly qualified, I won't take that job. Another man I knew who thought if he doesn't at least earn 30 or 40,000 a month, he's not willing to work. And if you say, well, we found this job, are you willing to take this 7,500 a month? He would rather let you give him 7,500 for free than work for it. Wasn't willing. Pride. I'm too important. That's that mentality of Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 5. The nobles refused to stoop. I will not stoop and build a wall. I'm noble. <clears throat> I'm a nobleman. And actually what people like that should do is to not think too highly of themselves. To be like the Apostle Paul who said, I'm not ashamed to work with my hands. I'll work for a living. 
And as long as you and I help people like that, if you put money in their hand, you are not helping them, you're harming them. By putting money in such a person's hand, you are keeping him lazy. Because now someone else will give me the seven and a half. I don't have to work for it. And if you keep him lazy, you keep him poor. Proverbs chapter 20. You can read this. It's five verses. Uh, no, no, not 20. Proverbs 24. <clears throat> Proverbs 24, verse 30 to 34. Where he says that the lazy man, he sleeps all the time. And it ends and it says, poverty is going to overtake you like a... A want will overtake you like a robber, or poverty like a robber, and want like an armed man. You're going to be poor. Suddenly, how did I become poor? Well, you're sleeping all the time. You're not out there looking for a job or working hard. Proverbs 20, <coughs> verse 13. Proverbs 20, verse 13. Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, and you will have plenty of bread. Work, that is God's way. Proverbs 19, verse 15. <clears throat> Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. You're going to be poor if you're lazy. So work hard. And parents, teach that to your kids. If you have a lazy child, drill them. <laughs> they need to learn to work hard, otherwise they'll remain poor. And if they're not willing to work, what does the Bible say? Can't eat. Don't feed them. Even those teenagers. You'll get them working quickly because teenagers are hungry. They're like worms. <laughs> Proverbs 16, <clears throat> verse 26. <coughs> a worker's appetite works for him. His mouth urges him on. That's why you never pay a guy up front. <laughs> He's not going to do the work. I'll get there late. I'll get there next week. No, no. Let him be hungry. Let him work for the money. Let him work for the money. So do that with the children. Don't reward hasty work. Don't reward sloppy work. Don't reward work that's half done. I just want to do that. Don't reward that. Don't reward that. Teach them if you work like that, you're going to be poor. Proverbs 10, verse 4. 10 verse 4, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 21, <coughs> verse 5, Proverbs 21, verse 5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. <coughs> Excuse me, <coughs> you do half a job, you get half pay. And then don't do everything for your children. <clears throat> Moms, don't pick up that boy's underwear. <clears throat> don't pick up his socks. Don't make his bed for him. You're teaching him to be lazy and he'll become poor. And don't give your kids too much money. They don't learn the value of money that way. They don't learn the value of hard work. Proverbs 12 verse 11. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Sell the PlayStation. Proverbs 13 verse 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle. You give him lots of money, they don't know how to work with it. 
But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Proverbs 14, verse 23. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. You always got plans, and I've got this plan, I've got this. You never get to it. You remain poor. Work. Work. Proverbs 28. Teach them this. Proverbs 28, verse 20. Or 19. 19 and 20. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. You know what I said this morning? What young people want? I want plenty of pay for, the, for as little work as possible. They fall for those get-rich-quick schemes. Verse 20, a faithful man will abound in blessings. Whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Lotto. That's stupid. Don't go there. Think I can get lots of money quickly. I don't have to work. No, that's not God's way. Work. And even if you win the lotto, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You don't know how to work with money. You think you know until you've got 55 million. And within two years, where's my 55 million? I have nothing to show for it. Except some extra weight on the belly. Luxury. There's another, there's another reason for poverty. Luxury and debt. I know a woman. This woman lived in a very expensive neighborhood in Randburg. She didn't earn a salary so she could live in Norcombe Park. Or in Kempton Park. But she wanted to live in this expensive neighborhood. She could not afford it. But there are people, they would rather, rather not have bread than drive a city golf. Proverbs 12, <coughs> verse 9. <coughs> Better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. I'm living in Randburg. But you lack bread. Chapter 13, verse 7. One pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. And so you have people like that. They love luxury. They love luxury so much, it causes them to become poor. Look at chapter 21, verse 17. 21, verse 17. <clears throat> Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. You love luxury, you'll be poor. I know of a case like that, two cases like that. The one I saw with my own eyes, where there's a, a man, I went with my missionary friend to the village, and this house, they live in a mud hut, or maybe it's made of big cement bricks, I can't remember that, but I do remember, they have no furniture. They have one plastic chair with three legs. One leg is broken off, they've got a 20 litre paint. That's it. Trom, can, bucket. Yeah, so that's the other leg to balance the chair. But they've got a satellite dish. You love luxury. Or another case, a friend of mine told me, a family member of his, said that guy is struggling. I have to kind of help him. But the guy has got a BMW motorbike. He drives a BMW, sold the BMW, bought a Land Rover. But you can't afford it. You can't afford it. And then what do people like that do? Rather than scale down, what do they do? They go to West Bank. Or they go to EPSA. 
like I said this morning. And they go into debt, debt that they cannot afford, and so they remain poor. Proverbs 22, <coughs> verse 7. <coughs> 22, verse 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. You become a slave of the people who loan you the money. If it's not the bank, maybe it's the loan shark, but you remain poor. And unfortunately, the children of such people suffer because of their parents' stupid decisions. And then a, a, a last reason here for, <clears throat> for poverty is loose living. And by loose living, I mean drugs, alcohol, sexual immorality, and the rest. Loose living. I remember a man who was on the street, <clears throat> and one day I asked him, and maybe I can tell, say his name. He's, he's not on earth anymore. Eugene. You remember, some of you remember Eugene. He died um, the day after my, or the day before my, my birthday. And so one day I said, Eugene, <clears throat> do you know anyone living on the street? Because he told me, if I'm honest, sir, I must tell you, I got myself on the street through drink, alcohol. And thankfully God saved him from that. But <clears throat> nevertheless, I said, do you know anyone living on the street who's not there because of drugs and alcohol? He said, not a single one. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a single one. There may be people out there, they're just down and out, they're really poor, they're struggling. <clears throat> but that was his experience, that many people are poor because of loose living. Just, just recently, a man told us that he grew up in a shack as a little boy. Both his parents were alcoholics. So why were they poor? Drink. Or maybe you say, no, no, they were poor and then the parents started, I don't know. But alcohol definitely played a part in that because of drink. You don't have money to buy food, but you've got money for alcohol? Drugs, the same thing. Many people in South Africa are poor because of loose living. <clears throat> Look at chapter 23. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 20. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. Chapter 29, verse 3. He who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. Do you remember the prodigal son in Luke 15? How did he lose the money? Woman. Friends, and probably a lot of alcohol. Loose living causes poverty. And then, my friend Paul Schlelein pointed this out in an article, and then what happens? Because of that sexual immorality, and now you're pregnant, and you didn't want this baby, and what does the man say? Take care of it. And so there's abortion, and with millions and millions of abortions worldwide, eventually you end up having parents in an old age home, and where the kids They've been murdered. There are no kids to take care of the aged parents, as the Bible wants us to. All right, number two. So that was the causes. Those were the causes. Number two, the solution for poverty. Now, the United Nations will tell you the solution for poverty is education. You need to teach children. They need clean water. They need access to, to medical help. And you must go green. Be a tree hugger. Don't cut down the trees, you're causing poverty. So go green and then empower women. Because if you empower women, that'll help poverty. Now some of those things obviously might help, but I just showed you all the causes of poverty. And those were biblical and those were logical and those were rational. So if those are the causes of poverty, 
then the solution is much deeper than just educating people or giving them clean water or medical supplies. Where's the problem? The problem is Genesis 3. We're in a broken world. Where's the problem? The problem is from the heart spring all these sins that I mentioned, loose living and laziness and pride and greed and oppression, all of that. So what's the solution? I want to tell you the solution is not even to work hard. The solution is not even to share. That's not the primary solution. Otherwise, if you just hand out and free hand out and free hand out, you give people a you owe me mentality. You must give me. My friend told me of a village where he's working and the village is named give us. You give people that mentality and that's the one side if it's just free handouts. Second, if you think the solution is just hard work, then guess who's going to become rich? You and your family. And many people around you are still poor. You haven't solved the problem. So the solution is you must be born again. You must first have a change of heart. You must be a new creature in Christ. The solution is a man nailed to a cross who died to save us from not poverty, sin, spiritual poverty. That's the first problem. And if we can change, if that can be changed by repenting and turning to Christ in faith, then you get people who say, I will work hard, I will work honest, and I will work not only for myself, I will work to share. Then you will find all of those verses in, in the books of Moses where you, where you had to remember the poor when you reap your harvest or when you go through your vineyard. Remember the poor. And you don't only think about yourself. It's not self-centered. Then you've got the mentality of Job. Where Job thought about the poor in Job 31, sharing and giving to orphans and widows. Then you got Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, where the early church, they shared with one another. They cared for one another. And in doing so, please remember the words of Jesus, where Jesus said, I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was naked. You clothed me. I was a stranger. You welcomed me. I was in prison. You visited me. I was sick. You visited. When did we do this, Lord? When you did this for the least of my brothers. So if you help the especially poor believers, you are doing it for Christ. What do we do with beggars? I'm not asking what are you doing with beggars. I'm asking us. What should we do about beggars? You need discernment. You need to know. Because some beggars are there and they tell you a long story, a soppy sad story about my wife is down the street here and we don't have food and actually he wants money for drugs or money for alcohol. So we need discernment. Let them talk, let them talk, let them talk. And then in the end, I don't give money. Sometimes, if you really discern, this is a real need. But, but hardly. In the beginning, I gave, I gave lots of money. And I've lost literally thousands of rands through stupid decisions by believing those stories. So give food. Give food, uh, but don't give money. I just had a case not long ago of a woman... She said she is in desperate need of counsel. My wife went with me, went to the woman. She said her name to me, and it didn't ring a bell. 
And eventually she said, oh, I was at this church. And when she said the name of that church, I remember that guy told me. This woman goes from church to church. She gets into people's pockets because she's got an addiction. She's got an addiction if she wants to feed. She tells you this long story and tells you lies, gets your money and feeds her addiction. And so I told you, wait a minute, aren't you that lady my friend told me about you? And she was surprised. So are you still addicted to that stuff? She said, no, it's going better now. So be careful. And if, if, it's, if it's a case where the person is hardworking, the person is honest, give. Give with an open hand. Give with an open heart. Like we read in Deuteronomy 13, and God will bless you. Like in Psalm 112, he gives to the poor. It says, the righteous man, the man who fears the Lord. He gives with an open hand. Proverbs 14, verse 21. Proverbs 14, verse 21. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Proverbs 19. And now we need to page fast. Not long to go. Proverbs 19 verse 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Proverbs 22 verse 9. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. And that is only... The blessing will only come if you give with the right motive. If you're like the Pharisees, the hypocrites, and you give to the poor because you want everything, everyone to see you. It says in Matthew 6 verse 4, you will receive a blessing from the Lord if you give with the right heart. The previous verse, you will receive no blessing from the Lord. If you give because you just want to please people and see, look what I've done for the poor. God will not honor that. So give with the right motive. Give with the right motive. If you don't give to the poor... What will happen? Proverbs 21 verse 13. 21 verse 13. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Now maybe you're afraid saying, yes, but if I give to the poor, then I won't have anything for myself. The opposite is true. The opposite is true. Look at Proverbs 28. And I'm going to skip some of the verses. There are many of them. Proverbs 28 verse 22. A stingy man hastens after wealth and doesn't know that poverty will come upon him. Verse 27. Whoever gives to the poor will not want. He who hides his eyes will get many a curse. God will see to it that you have more than enough. You give with a teaspoon, God gives back with a spade. And not, a, yeah, not even a spade. An excavator. <laughs> or even bigger. God is generous. So be generous and the Lord will supply your need. And then also your friendship, and not just money, your friendship. And uh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid in our church that we kind of don't really mingle with the poorer among us. Guys, you see someone attending our worship services. Don't just go and stand with the people you feel comfortable with. Reach out. Reach out to those who are poor and say, Hey, welcome. I haven't got your name. What's your name again? And introduce yourself. Make friends. Jesus says, even invite the poor for a meal. Don't only invite those friends who can invite you back. It says in Luke chapter, chapter 14. I think it's verse, verse 12 to 14. Uh, let me just check in my notes. 
verse 13 and 14. Luke 14, 13 and 14. Invite the crippled, invite the blind, invite the poor. When the resurrection comes, Jesus will reward you. Those people can't pay you back. But invite them. Invite them. And don't push them aside like in James 2. Oh, your clothes are a bit old, so you sit there, we'll sit in front. No. No. No partiality. God doesn't look on the outside. God looks on the heart. And so we treat people kindly and rightly. And you know that's a proof of being born again, is it not? That's one of the proofs of being born again. You see your brother in need and you close your heart toward him and you got the stuff of the world, you got money. And you close your heart toward your brother, how does the love of God abide in you? Should we not have an open heart? And so we love and we care. Like Zacchaeus. Remember what was the first thing Zacchaeus did when he got saved? Open hand to the poor. Open hand to the poor. And, and please remember the disclaimer about lazy people and loose living. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who are really poor. They, they're seeking a job. They want to work. They're willing, but they're struggling. And I also don't mean social gospel. To say, let's just give blankets to the poor and food to the poor. That's, that won't save anyone. That will not take them to heaven. I'm not saying don't help in that way. I'm just saying don't replace the gospel with that. That is not the gospel. You preach the good news of spiritual riches in Christ, of Christ who is rich, who became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. To the poor in spirit, you say there's eternal wealth in Christ, there's eternal life in Christ, there's eternal joy and peace and love in Christ. You preach the message of the cross. You tell them about Jesus who died for sinners like us. And then you live content. And you say, this is what God has given me, I thank him for it. And I praise Him for His supply. And you pray like, like Proverbs 30, verse 7 to 9. Lord, don't make me rich, don't make me poor. If I'm rich, I might turn and deny God. If I'm poor, I might steal. So give me enough to live on. And you don't be anxious about the day of tomorrow. And I don't want to... Maybe I must end, almost. Because uh, next Sunday I'm going to preach on worrying about money. Now, this morning you got off the hook and say, Luckily, I'm not greedy. Now, wait till next Sunday. Maybe you're anxious about money. <laughs> I'll preach on that. So don't be anxious. The Lord will provide in, your, according to his rich, in all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And look forward to eternal joy, eternal riches in Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about gold and silver. Eternal wealth. It is better to be poor and you have peace and joy and love and heaven than to be rich and you don't have that. It says so. Proverbs 17, 1, 15, 16, 15 verse 16 to 18, 16 verse 8. I can actually summarize it as one man said. To have lettuce and love is better than steak and strife. Blaslein liefde is better as steak and bakleik. Let me close with this, with this illustration. <clears throat> That's what happened to Alan Gardner. Alan Gardner was a missionary to South Africa from the United Kingdom. And uh, he also then went to Argentina. I think that time it was called Pat Patagonia. So he went to Argentina. And in Argentina, the ship stranded. They sent back a ship. For, to get more supplies. The ship sank in a storm. Here these guys were stranded for months. 
They used up the supplies. All of the men died of hunger. Alan Gardner, his last letter, they could hardly decipher the letter and make out what he had written. This, this is what they found. He wrote, yet a little while, the Almighty to sing the praises throne. I neither hunger nor thirst, though days without water. Marvelous kindness to me, sinner. And so Alan Gardner died. And hunger and thirst, like Paul says in Romans 8.35, could not separate him from the love of Christ. And he went to be with the Lord where Revelation 7 says they will neither hunger nor thirst anymore. And he went to the place of which, which Paul writes in Ephesians 2 verse 7, abundant riches, where God just unfolds the riches of his grace forever. Amen. Our Father in heaven, Thank you for that abundant supply, rich and poor. No one excluded. All who will come by faith to the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. And I pray for any here tonight, no matter how much money they have in the bank, how much property they own, if they have farms, maybe many farms, lots of property and lots of money, or if they own nothing, except the clothes on their back. Then I pray, O Lord, whoever they may be, if they do not have eternal wealth, that you would draw them to you, pull at the strings at their, of their heart and draw their hearts to you and give them your wealth in Jesus Christ. Amen.